to be at Bayside this Saturday night, and you're looking good. Obviously feeling really good too. <laughs> looking really good. Hey, isn't this cool to be around tables tonight? Some of you are going, what's happening? Am I in the wrong place? Is this a restaurant? Food may be coming a little later, I'm not sure. But you know, I think we're used to church kind of being in rows, aren't we? Lining up in rows, looking at the neck of the person in front of you. But tonight we're in circles, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, if you've ever read the book of Acts, Acts 2, we don't know much about the programs of the early church, but they did meet in the temple, and they met in homes. You know, the temple was the large gathering, thousands and thousands of people, a big crowd, pretty dynamic. In homes, how many know in homes you tend to sit in a circle? And so I think a healthy church has this combination of being involved in a large gathering, going somewhere, exciting vision, but also this idea of sitting in circles and knowing some people, seeing their face. How many know your face is your better side? Work with me, work with me. It's your better side. And so hopefully you met a few people around your table in your circle tonight, and there'll be a little bit more chance to interact as we move forward. I don't know if you've read the book of Genesis lately. But uh, Genesis 1 and 2 describe the creation of the world, the entire universe, uh, living creatures, including humans. And uh, in chapter 1, we've got kind of this poem, and it describes God as creating the universe over this six period, six days, six uh, eras of time, whatever you want to call it. And after the first day, God goes, it's good. Everyone say, good. And then God went to bed or whatever God does at night. And he got up the next day and he made the next and he goes, it's good. And for six days, he did this kind of sequential unfolding of creation saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then on the sixth day, he created humans, the crowning of his creation, you and me. And he said, it's very good. Come on, say very good. I mean, the world's good, but we're very good. Come on. Come on, a bit of self-esteem. God said it's very good. And it's a wonderful chapter of creation. Chapter 2 is like another lens, another perspective. It's the same creation story, but it's from a different angle. And in this narrative, instead of good, 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 very good, there's actually a change in the mood. And in Genesis 2, I think it's verse 15, it says, God said to himself, it's not good. Not good. There's something wrong. Now, there's no sin in the world yet. There's no death. There's no disease. There's no sickness. But something's not good. And you know what it says? It's not good that man be alone. There was only Adam there. He wasn't lonely. How many know Adam had a lot of animal friends? Adam wasn't lonely. He had lots of animals. He had God. But Adam was alone. He was a single, solitary human being. And listen carefully. As a single, individual human, he could not reflect the nature of God because God is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the first connect group. The God we serve is not some single, isolated, solitary God off by him or herself somewhere. Our God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God said, good, 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 very good. But he looks at Adam. Adam's alone. He says, it's not good that man be alone. I will make a helper, a partner. And so Eve was created not just to do the dishes and clean the house. and Come on, ladies, give me a little love. 
That's not why Eve was created. Eve was created to be a partner, a co-equal, to have dominion and also to fill the earth. Come on, work with me. Yes. And so it wasn't just about marriage. It wasn't just about family. It was about community. You and I were created not to do life alone, but to do life in community. It's the very image of God. And so what does Jesus do when he rocks up? Uh, The first thing he did is he picked 12 people to be with him. What's he doing? He's reflecting the very nature of God that we were created to do life in community. And it's the same with the church. Uh, The church is not just something that you go to, an event like tonight. It's not a building. It's not an organization. Church is something you're a part of. It's to be a community, a family, where we have a sense of belonging. How does it happen? Well, we can build friends, friendships at church. We can be on serving teams. How many appreciate our worship team and our audio, media, and children's workers? Come on, give them a big clap. A great way to have a sense of community is to serve with other people. It's amazing the relationships you'll build serving with others. But another way is through being in a small group. And in a large church like Bayside, you just can't know everybody. Uh, But you can know somebody. And connect groups are a great place to have a sense of belonging and care and relationship. And I know many of you are in connect groups. Some of you are about to join a connect group. uh, But they're a great part of church life. And so we want to talk a bit about that this weekend. Of course, how many know just putting a bunch of people around a table or just sitting around a living room doesn't mean it's going to be a great experience? <laughs> it can be a little awkward. Um, it, it can be something you go, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, just putting a bunch of people around a room doesn't make for great connectedness. And so tonight, I want to talk about how to be a great connect group member. How to be a great connect group member. All the leaders should have at least given me a bit of love there, but it'll come. It'll come. Um, some of you might go, I'm not in a connect group. I know, but you will be. So just preparing you for when you do join a connect group. Uh, this message also will help you in your family. It'll help you in your work team. It'll help you any, any group you're a part of. Tonight's message will help you. But our focus is how can we be great Connect group members, and we pray that uh, what we share tonight will be a real help to you as you do life, not only seeking to know God, but doing life in community, not alone, but in meaningful community. And so I'm going to share just five thoughts tonight, and we're going to use the word group, G-R-O-U-P, as an acronym for five thoughts on how to be a great connect group member. How does that sound? We're going to do it anyway, but I'm glad that you're affirming what we're doing. Okay, number one, you're going to be a great group member of any group you're a part of. Number one is to give something to your group. There's nothing better than having a group of people gathering with the attitude of, I'm here to give something to this group, rather than being focused on getting something out of the group. How many know if people get, two people get married wanting to get something from each other, it's not going to be a great marriage? Moving on quickly. You get two people that come together just for what they can get, It's not going to be a great relationship. But if you come together for what you can give, it's a whole different dynamic. Even Jesus himself said in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
This is very countercultural because we actually are born with a selfish orientation. Have you noticed that? Any parents here with little babies, little kids? Do a little exercise with me. Just put your note, if you're taking notes, just, I want everyone to put their hands out in front, just like this, just for a minute. And I just want you to go like this, a little calisthenics tonight. You know, when a baby's born, this is the orientation of their life, isn't it? Wah, feed me. Wah, pick me up. Wah, change me. Yeah, babies come into the world and it's all about them. The trouble is we often grow up and we do this as adults. Come on. We go into a marriage, meet my needs, make me happy. Come on, we, we, we do this. Sometimes we, we, we become a Christian, we do this to God. Come on, keep it going. God, what are you doing? I prayed yesterday, nothing's happening. What do you think you exist for? What's happening up there in heaven? Hurry up, then we come to church. We come to church, you know, come on, keep going, just a little longer. A little longer. We come to church, you know, Pastor Rob, find me a wife, find me a husband. If you don't, I'll go to the church up the road. You know, we, we, we do this to church. Come on, it's getting a little tiring, isn't it? Come on, keep working with me. Keep working. Do you feel funny? You look very funny. You look very funny. You know, it's easy to go through life with a getting mode. Give me, give me, feed me, help me. This will destroy your life. This will destroy your life. You've got to break the selfish orientation and go like this. Everyone go like this. What's this? What's this? Ever been to a really expensive restaurant with a waiter who has a towel over their arm? You ever seen one of those waiters? And their whole mission in life is to serve you. If you dribble, they'll wipe it. If you spill, they'll clean it up. They are a servant. You know what Jesus said? The key to living a full, meaningful life is to break the selfish orientation of your life and choose every day to be a servant, someone who comes to give rather than to get. Tell you what, this will change your life. Change your family, change your marriage, change everything. If you just change the orientation, nothing worse than a group of people get in the room, what am I going to get out of this, versus a group coming to the room, what can I give, what can I contribute, how can I serve? Wow, there's something of God that comes into the atmosphere. When we come with the attitude to give something to our group. In fact, can I tell you this? Your life will be most joyful and fulfilled when you're in a giving mode more than a getting mode. It's a fact of life. A fact of life. Give something to your group. Luke 6.38, it's in giving that we receive. There's this principle of mutual exchange. And so if you're in a group, connect group, first of all, just have this attitude. I want to bring, I want to give something to this group. Number two is to respond, the letter R. Respond to the needs of others. As you come to that group, you will notice some needs. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 verse 1 says, Look out, look out, not only for your own interests, but for the interest of others. Look out, be on the watch for the interests and the needs of others. Uh, you will never find in the New Testament verses that say stuff like this. Connect group leaders, love everybody, care everybody, meet everyone's needs, serve everybody, care for everybody. You won't find that in the New Testament. All the leaders are going, thank God. 
But the entire focus of the New Testament is love one another, serve one another, care for one another, pray for one another. And there's nothing worse than a connect group where the leader's trying to do all the work versus a group where everyone in the room says, I've come to give and I'm here to respond to the needs of one another. And you have this synergy, this dynamism where everyone's contributing. We're responding to the needs of those around about us. There's this mutual responsibility rather than the leader having to do all the work. For us to respond to the needs of others, we've got to look. We've got to have our eyes open. We've got to listen. Love pays attention. God is the most loving person in the universe. And the great priestly prayer in Numbers 6, 24 to 26 says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Isn't that beautiful? You know, for God to turn his face towards you means that God is giving attention to your life. But not only turning his face, but smiling. There's a shining on his face. You know, every one of us in this room, every one of you online uh, for this message, can I tell you, God pays attention. God doesn't look away from you. He turns towards you and his face shines out of interest and care for you. He gives us attention. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, you know, when people pay attention, as, as a speaker tonight, it's nice when people are paying attention rather than texting on their phone. And not only paying attention, but a smile on their face. You know, you can give attention to someone's life just as God does. Uh, Jesus actually said, you know, the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's amazing. That is not a state. I, I know for some of us that's easier than others. That's not a statement of God's mathematical ability. It's a statement of the preciseness of God's care. He notices when one hair drops. He doesn't promise to replace it, but at least he notices. God notices. God pays attention to even the smallest details of our lives. And so as you come to your group, come to give, but come to response. He love remembers. Hey, you had a birthday this week. How'd it go? Love remembers. Love remembers birthdays, events, details. Love notices differences. Hey, hey, you seem a little quiet today. Is everything okay? Hey, you seem really excited. You had a good week. Love listens. It turns the face towards it. Looks people in the eye. It's fully present. It's attentive. I tell you what, when you get a group of people that have come with the attitude to give, but then secondly, they're looking and they're responding to what's happening in the group. You've got an amazing group starting to take place. Everyone agreed? Number three, some of you about right now are singing that hit song, What About Me? It isn't fair. Thank you for the, the youth here today. If you don't know that song, don't even worry about it. What about me? Well, number three is to open your heart and life to others. See, see Paul did say, Look out for your own interests. He, said, he didn't say don't look out for your own interests. He says, 
Don't just look out for your own interests, but give attention to the interests of others. And so a great group member comes to give. A great group member is responding through looking and listening and being aware of others in the group. But thirdly, a great group member is willing to open their heart and life to others. They don't hide. They share. They're willing to be open. Paul was an amazingly open person, even Jesus himself. You know, there's an amazing story in Matthew 26. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, he's about to go to the cross. And he's there, and he takes his 12. Now, now Jesus loved the crowd. Jesus loved the 70, but he had a connect group. He had his 12 there. And, and, and it's amazing. He took three of the 12 who he is closest to. See, there are circles of friendship. Not everyone in your connect group is going to necessarily be your best friend. We, we, we have whole different... Um, constellations of relationships. But he takes his three best friends, uh, Peter, James, and John. And in Matthew 26, he says this, I'm feeling overwhelmed. The NIV says, I'm overcome with grief. Would you stay here and pray with me? This is amazing. This is Jesus, the Son of God. As Pentecostals, you think what the, the, the writer of Matthew would have said, Jesus would have said this way. Hey, guys, it's going to get a little tough, but don't worry. I'm going to kick the devil's back, but I'll be back in three days. It's all good. <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God, says to three of his closest friends who he'd build a relationship with, he says, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. Could you pray with me? Have you got anyone in your life who can ask you, how are you doing Really? I didn't do that to the crowd. You, you only open up to safe people. But I tell you what, you get a connect group where people are giving to the group. They're responding to one another's needs. And then when you and I choose to open up and say how we're doing really, we actually give others a, a gift, an opportunity to help us. Now, how many know Peter, James and John didn't do too well to Jesus' openness? I mean, I mean they fell asleep in Jesus' prayer meeting. <laughs> Not a good prayer meeting to fall asleep in. I mean, you know. Nevertheless, Jesus modeled something to be open. I'll never forget a few years ago having lunch with a friend of mine, a pastor. We sat down. And I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, awesome. And he started telling me everything that's happening in his life. Then he asked me, how you doing? And I thought, will I do the awesome thing or will I be honest? And I said, actually, it's been a little tough lately. And I just started sharing a few challenges at church and home and and the whole conversation changed. See, the level of openness determines the level of closeness in every relationship. In fact, when I was done, you know what he said? He said, actually, I'm not doing too well either. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? And so I want to encourage you. You know what can happen right here? I was chatting to Oscar, just to be in the meeting. I said, how was your week? And you could just see in a moment, and he says, it's been a really tough week. My dad passed away this week. We had a uh, only a few-minute conversation, but I tell you what, it was a lot better than a conversation about the weather. As we talked about his dad and the funeral yesterday and what his dad meant to him. I talked about my dad. We talked about grief. I was chatting to Hattie, actually. Uh, I said, how you doing, Hattie? And, and he actually went, yeah, good. And then he went, actually, it's been a tough week. <laughs> and we talked about uh, Olga and Leah, a few, few, few health challenges. And, and we had a really meaningful conversation just because Hattie was open about his week. It's the same in a, in a connect group. If we all just do the awesome, yeah, we're doing great. We just have superficial relationships. But to have a place where you can go, how are you doing really? And you know, sometimes your need is a gift. So, so I'll be praying for, for Leah. 
Uh, I'm thinking of Oscar. You know, when, when, when we open up to one another, we actually can then come alongside and help and support. And this is what church is all about. Being willing to be open. Being willing to be honest and, and talk about how we're doing. Now, this is not easy. We live in a world of image projection, don't we? And impression management. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. Be to Jesus. You know, it's like we've always got to have it together. No, no, no. Jesus himself, Paul, modeled being real, not having masks, and being open and building genuine and intimate friendships. Now, a little PS here. There are some times in our lives where we become what I call an EGR person. Anyone know what an EGR person is? An extra grace required. Come on. You may be one of those now, or you may know some people in your world. But let me just tell you about an EGR. When we're an EGR person, life is so tough that we need lots of help and support. And it's really important that we don't expect our connect group to focus all of its attention on us year after year after year. You with me? <laughs> Otherwise, the whole group... Be- one leader just clapped there. <laughs> Otherwise, the whole group kind of shifts its focus and energy to one person. It can be counterproductive. There are other ways to receive more focused help and support. It could be through a Christian counselor or a support group for specific needs. Maybe you've just been through a broken marriage or working through some recovery from sexual abuse or battling severe depression or a marriage breakup. Are you with me? When you're going through a time where you need intense help, no one connect group can be everything for you. And so that's why we develop some other support systems so we can be open, but it's not the group alone that we're expecting is going to meet all of our needs. Sometimes we have really unrealistic expectations about relationships. Maybe you're not in a connect group and you want to go to the connect desk tonight and say, yes, kind of like a drive through window. I'd like a connect group meeting on Tuesday night. I live in Cheltenham and I want a group to care for me, love for me, help me when I'm financially doesn't work like that, does it? You know, you just can't go through a drive-through window and order deep and meaningful relationships. It actually takes time. It's a bit awkward. It's a bit hit and miss. It's just the way it is. And so open up. Obviously, we want to feel safe. We want to feel we can trust the group. That takes some time. But, but your need can be a gift and enables other people to come and be a support to you. And number four, our fourth thought on being a great connect group leader. So give something to the group, respond to the needs of others, be willing to open your own heart and life. Uh, Fourthly, understand that relationships are essential to personal growth. Life change takes best in the context of relationships. I I think sometimes we think, I, I could get really mature as a Christian if it just wasn't for all the people in my world. You know, if I could just pray and have my Bible and talk to Jesus and not have all these annoying individuals, I'd be a really mature Christian. You know, I remember when our kids were little, I used to take them on a date and uh, take them to the Golden Arches, McDonald's, um, or wherever. And our three children, you know, individually on a date, I'm just telling you, they're just so angelic. Just so lovely and kind. Thank you, Daddy. Yes, please. Thank you, Dad. No, that, you know, I mean, individually, just something angelic about them. But, you know, if you put the three of them in a backseat of a car on a long trip to Queensland, something demonic emerges 
from within them and it's, Dad, he's looking out my window. No, that's my window. And he's... Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's the same as we grow up, you know, by ourselves, you know. But we get together and how many know it's just not all happy clappy. Every church and every group has what I call Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. And they just rub you the wrong way. Every group, they're there. They're a plant. I'm just telling you. I'm letting you know. Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. And see, sometimes we think the goal is, let me get away from them. And so we go join another group. Or we go join another church. But I've discovered this. Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper have many cousins. You get away from one, and there's another one. Their name has changed, but they're still annoying you. And so sometimes the question isn't, how can I get away from this person? Sometimes the question is, God, what are you trying to do in me through them? Most character is developed in situations that are opposite to the character quality. I'm very patient when I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm very forgiving when no one has offended me. Are you with me? It's in the opposite situation that there's a, an opportunity for some character to develop. And so we need to realize it's the very process of relating to people in our family, at work, even in your connect group, with people who see things differently than you, who think differently than you. That's how relationships grow, and that's how we grow. Proverbs 27 verse 7, as iron sharpens iron. I mean, I know that sounds like a lot of sparks. So one person sharpens another. And so in your group, there'll be people that are different. If you don't understand that relationships are part of your growing, you'll bail. You know, I tell some people uh, in the church I was a part of for many years, I say, look, if you go to a group and it doesn't work out, go visit another group. If that doesn't work out, go visit another group. If you're onto your fourth group, look in the mirror. <laughs> or start your own group. You're not going to find a perfect group. And if you do, you join it. It won't be perfect. You know that. You're not going to find a perfect group. So we have to understand relationships are part of us growing and maturing. Just deal with it. And then number five, our final point, is to plant your life in the soil of God's love. You know, great life change, some of our most joyful moments and sometimes our most painful moments happen in the context of relationships. And so connecting, realizing we're created for community is vital, but all groups are imperfect. People will disappoint us, they'll let us down. And so it's very important that we don't put too much pressure on any one individual or one group to meet every need in our life. All of our relationships will contribute to us, but... Every relationship has limitations, including every group. And so ultimately, you and I need to learn to build our life on the love of God. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And so it's really important that you don't look to the group to meet all of your needs and your feelings about yourself. But we actually plant our life in the soil of God's love for us. Um, you know, I don't know what you think God thinks about you today, but I can tell you God's orientation towards you is one of love. If you ask me today, what do I think of my kids? I would say, if you lined up all the kids in the world, I would pick those three kids. They're the best kids in the world. 
If you asked me, have they ever done anything wrong? I'd say, how long have you got? <laughs> I don't love them because they're perfect. I love them because they're mine. I still remember holding our first child, Josiah, a little redhead boy, and I was holding him. I was a dad. And I was so excited, and I thought, I love him so much. I mean, take the car, take the house, take my job, but don't take my little boy. And as I was holding him, I was thinking, why do I love him so much? He hasn't scored an A on a test yet. He hasn't kicked a goal in a ball game yet. He hasn't made any money. In fact, it cost us a lot of money just to get him right here. <laughs> and as I was holding him, thinking he hasn't done anything, he hasn't achieved, he hasn't succeeded, he hasn't made any money, he's done nothing, but I love him more than anything simply because he's my boy. And I started for the first time to realize how God feels about you and I. His love for you is not based on how'd you score this week? Did you kick any? Well, hopefully, you didn't kick anything this week. Yeah, did, did you make any money? Your performance is not the barometer of God's love for you. He loves you just the way you are. And when you get a revelation of that kind of love, as an old Bill Gaither song once said, uh, I am loved, I am loved, I can risk loving you. See, when you're planting your life on the soil of God's love, there's a security that enables you to take the risk of loving other imperfect people. See, Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. A lot of us don't love ourselves because we haven't embraced God's amazing love for us. And so I pray that maybe you're here or watching online, you may not even know God personally. I can tell you God loves you just as a parent loves a child. And I pray that you would open your heart and receive that kind of love so that when we come to our groups, we're already coming from a place of fullness and we can overflow rather than from an emptiness that's looking to other people to fill all of those gaps in our life. Plant your life in the soil of God's love. And so in conclusion today, we were created for community. God's desire is that none of us do life alone, but we find meaningful relationships. That doesn't just happen. Uh, connect groups have the potential to be a place where great friendships and relationships can take place. But we all have to contribute. Give something to your group. Respond to the needs of others. Be attentive. Be willing to open your heart to others and let them be a support to you. Understand that relationships, even difficult ones, can be part of you growing and finally plant your life in the soil of God's love. And so our prayer here at Bayside is that connect groups would be a great, great place to be this year. If you're in a group, fantastic. If you're not, you'll hear shortly about how you can become part of a group. But I'd like us to pray at this time. I'd love to also pray for our connect leaders. You know, connect leaders are volunteers. They have other busy lives, but they choose to lead a group. Some of them have been doing it for years. Some of them are new, a bit inexperienced. It's not an easy job. Uh, but these are people with a great heart to help, to care, to serve. And so uh, where's our connect leaders? Come on, give us a wave here. Come on, give them a really big clap today. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. And maybe you're here and you're saying you'd like to be a connect group leader. Hey, have a chat to Hardy or Andrew or one of the leaders here. Uh, there is no ministry in Bayside with a no vacancy sign over it. There's lots more opportunities. So uh, why don't you just pray with me? Father, today... You are a God of community, Father, Son, and Spirit, this loving triunity, one God but three persons living forever as a community of love. And you created us 
not to do life alone, but to do life with others. And so I pray today for all of the connect groups at Bayside. They'd be great places. There'd be a little bit of heaven there. There would be your life flowing because people are coming to give, coming to respond, being open, uh, understanding the dynamics of change and growth, and underneath it all, realizing we can love because we are loved. And so bless every connect group. Bless the leaders. For those that are kind of between groups or not in a group, maybe feeling a little awkward, a little scary, Lord, just give them the courage to take that step and become part of some dynamic community this year. Bless Bayside. Bless all of the connect groups. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.